Hey Space Watchers, this is Space Cafe Radio, your channel about trends, cool people and real conferences. I'm Thorsten, publisher of Spacewatch.global. This year, we do most of our annual reviews as Space Cafe Radios. And in this show, I had Troy McCann in Sydney on the other side of our virtual table. You might say, didn't we see Troy in the recent Space Cafe Australia by Annie Handmar? And you are right. That was a conversation that triggered my interest in further talking with him. And here, you will hear why. Troy, what have been your personal highlights the last 12 months? Ooh, okay. So, personal highlights. It's a tricky one to answer because I, I can barely remember where the start of this year was and where the end of the last one was. Yeah, the easiest one for me to say would be we raised our first fund. We finished raising our first fund and we actually invested our first investments ourselves, invested by our mentors. These are like space founders from across the globe who are believing in the next generation of space founders that they are also going to help as well. So we started this feedback loop, this engine to hopefully accelerate humanity. I think that by far is the most exciting thing in my calendar and in my world. Tell us more about who is we. I think you're talking about Moonshot, okay, but yeah. make oh, this 90-second right. elevator pit for us. All right, please. so Moonshot. So Moonshot, for those of you who don't know, Moonshot is an alliance of founders and, and space pioneers from all across the globe who are pulling their time and money together to help invest in and grow the next generation space startups. People with incredible, remarkable ideas about how we should use space to solve big problems and challenges here on Earth for us. We've got people like Andy Aldrin over in the US. We've got people like Flavia and, and Adam Gilmore, space leaders here in Australia. We've got these amazing people, Amir Blockman and, and Tejpal Bhatia, who are you know, executives at, uh, at Axiom Space. These are the people who are pioneering space. And they're now also investing small amounts of money pulled together as well as their time to really help grow that next generation. So it's really exciting for us that we're getting the steam engine you know, churning. We've, we've kickstarted it now. So hopefully... This coming year, we'll raise a new fund. We'll do it every year. It's hopefully going to be bigger. We've already got 20 new mentors that are sort of banging our doors down saying, hey, we want to invest in space. We want to help grow new companies. So hopefully that flywheel is, is really up and running now. Cool. As it took a bit of time to answer the first question about the last 12 months, I have to be honest, I looked on our archive and thought, okay, what happened in January this yeah. year? And as you said, it's so far away. And I recognize we published about 1,000 articles news articles on spacewatch.global. Wow. It's an incredible, incredible archive. and you, Congratulations. You cover history. Yeah. But from this entire space market, what are your top three? And I know it's very hard without having access to an archive, but just from the top no, of your sure. mind. Well, so I think the, the first thing that I can think of, and I'm pretty sure it was this year, I remember spending you know, every morning that I would wake up the first few months of the year, I think, just watching those SpaceX Starship developments. That, to me, is, I think, going to be one of the most exciting things for us going into 2022 and beyond, just because of how the potential that it has to really democratize space, even more so than it is now. I, I see a bit of a shift coming. I think the last decade or the last 10 years or so have really focused on space as the logistics leg of space. That's why it's so exciting. We've now got better access to space, and that's still costs per kilogram are exponentially decreasing. So that's incredible. I think we're going to see, and we are already starting this year now, to see a shift towards the space stations and these locations. How do we actually use these places in space now? How do we get better access to those? So you know, the developments with Axiom Space, they're launching their first missions in contracts with NASA, to building out with the International Space Station, eventually having their own space station, as well as the we've got the big news about Orbital Reef and that big 
consortium of, of groups like Blue Origin and Boeing and everyone, Redwire, coming together saying, hey, we want to take up the baton from the International Space Station into our hands in 2028. I think that this Starship progress is going to be one of the most exciting things. And, and so watching that happen in real time, like you say, is incredible because I think sometimes we sort of forget it feels like now, today, in December, it feels like it's been a long time since we've seen it. It's so close that we sort of can't really step back and reflect very easily. It's good that we get to do these things, these kinds of things every so often, just to reflect and say, actually, let's see if we can see the forest through the trees here, because we've seen a lot of progress in a short amount of time. And so let's now expand that out over the next 10 years, because we're going to see some incredible things, I think. Okay, that was one. That was one. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Number two. Well, I mean, it'd be silly of me to, to not even say the James Webb Space Telescope. And of course, that's it's very topical this week because it's finally launched 25 years in the making. That's most of my life. I'm just thrilled. My fingers are still crossed. I'm still incredibly anxious. That What is this? Something like 306 different uh, maneuvers or like movements, things that have to unfold and unfurl and things could get stuck. And we don't have a space shuttle today that, we, that can go out there, especially when it's traveling thousands of kilometers a second, I think, at the moment. It's going to be a million miles away, literally a million miles away at yep. L2. So that, to me, is is by far probably the flagship event in space this year. So that's absolutely incredible. Now, number three. Oh, there's, see, there's so many things. I don't think I could pick a specific thing for number three. It would probably be Austra equal. Anything in Australia you have in mind that Okay, so if we're going to pick something more Australian, I think the thing that I'm most excited about, and this happened in January, was the appointment of Enrico Palomo as the head of the Australian Space Agency. For me, that was a very exciting time. I was really worried about what direction our space agency could go in. It could have easily been filled by someone from within the government apparatus. But to have someone to come back to Australia you know, with such high status, you know, he was an executive at Virgin Galactic for, I think, 16, 17 years or something. He was there throughout the entire startup phase. Um, so he knows what it takes uh, and he knows what kind of future we're heading towards with space. He's clearly bought into it in the past. He's been building it all this, his entire career. Uh, so to have him leading the space agency and really pushing. So I, I can't even imagine some of the, the challenges that he's facing, you know, in trying to get more uh, you know, the politicians and, and people behind the scenes of government to understand and say, yes, we need to have more funding available, we need to have more freedom. Hopefully the space agency in Australia will be given some statutory authority so that it can have more freedom to operate and do more incredible things. I think for me personally, and it might sound, it's not necessarily technology, so some people might not be so excited by it, but the appointment of Enrico to the head of the Australian Space Agency was something that I absolutely think was, it was incredible for Australia. That's fantastic. And watching the development of space in Australia, and I don't say space industry deliberately, but space in Australia at large, it's fantastic. And we try to report about it whenever something happens. We have our Space Cafe Australia there, really, because we believe in this market. But coming back to our interview, in your specific area in space financing, space innovation, what touched you most? It doesn't have to be the most mm. successful project, but what touched you most? I think it's just the general sense that, that space is being taken much more seriously now you know, in the mainstream, just in general. So you know, the message that, we, that you, that, you know, that Moonshot is, that all these groups have been trying to talk about for so long now about how space isn't this separate place to our world. It's not just about rockets and satellites that roar and, you know, and that whiz above the sky. We're starting to get people engaged and say, hey, look, what's the significance of this $11 billion telescope that we're putting into space? 
it's not just because we are doing these things for fun. I mean, of course that's there as well, but there's so much value to that. The people that are tasked with allocating capital on, on either the government side or the private sector side, you know, PE and, and venture capitalists and things like this, they're starting to see space as a viable thing. They're starting to understand that space is no longer an, an industry, a singular industry, uh, not even a horizontal industry that just spans everything. They're really realizing that we're seeing a big shift. It's almost like an industrial revolution where our entire global economy and, and society now is pushing out you know, the limits of, our, of our, the bubble that we now call the globe and our planet are expanding into new frontier locations that we call space. And we can use them, those new perspectives and new opportunities to help us battle wildfires. We're fighting war criminals on the ground now in places where you know, traditionally there was no visibility at all and so no accountability or justice. Space technology is helping us just incredibly all across the board, all across the economy and all across society now. And that's being realised. And so more capital's coming into it. It's still quite cautious. There's still a lot to, to be done. But we're seeing the shift happening. And I mm -hmm. think a lot of people remind me, you know, every sort of 10, 15 years or so, there is a bit of a sort of a wave of space tech, private space tech sort of pushes. And so for me, this is the only one that I've been a part of. And so there is a bit of hesitation sometimes where people saying like, hey, just, just remember that this, is, this has happened before. It, it may, may not work out. But I think we're past that point this time. We've got the access. The, the costs are down so low that yeah, the economy is the one demanding that we make this progress now, naturally. And so, yes, there's talk about whether we should go to the moon and, and we are doing that. But space in terms of Earth orbit and the industrialization of that and the use of that, how do we use that to manufacture new medicines? How do we help to do research that can help us fight cancer uh, and things like this? They're coming to the forefront of people's minds now. And I'm just getting an absolute kick as well on social media lately. I'm, I'm usually quite, I think we were talking about this on the talk the other week. I'm really bad with social media usually, but I've been practicing, literally practicing and writing some posts about like Tide. If you're in the US, it's not a brand that I'm aware of, but Procter & Gamble have been making washing detergents. They're now experimenting, doing things with NASA on the last SpaceX resupply mission, just launched some specially formulated detergent to see if we can start to say, well, Rather than astronauts just throwing their clothes out of the, the hatch when they're done with it to be burned up in the atmosphere, what if we can help them work out how to wash that? And then how does that technology and, and that, those learnings come back to Earth to help us? Just talking about these things that people just have never even thought of and getting them to think about like, hey, okay, well, maybe in me and my role in, in whatever it is that I do, can actually, I can actually have something to do with space or I feel like I've got a connection to it now, whereas before I wasn't a rocket scientist and that was the limit. That's all changing. Well said. What does the space industry needs most from your point of view? This one's an easy one because it's something I'm quite passionate about and really was the entire reason why I put Moonshot together in the first place uh, all those years ago. And it's that I think that there's, there's, there needs to be more support at the earlier stages of, of the commercialization process. And even before commercialization, just the idea of how do we help more what we call at Moonshot operators, these incredible people that are going to be working within these startups or helping you know, on the teams, but not necessarily the people that want to build a business. How do we help them get involved? How do we help all the ingredients come together so that we can have these people with remarkable ideas? And, and what are those remarkable ideas? And how do we give them a sandbox so that they can try you know, to fail, to invent, and then to succeed with executing on those ideas? That's the thing that's really, I think, still needs a lot of work. One of the things, I'm an internet child. I grew up on the internet. I think Wikipedia and early web forums and things like this. They're, like That's how I was raised. That's where I get a lot of my knowledge from. And so I saw the emergence ever since I was less than uh, a couple of digits old 
um, of the progress of the internet from the time where there was only very little websites out there to get the whole like web one and when Google search, I remember thinking like, I'm never going to use Google because I want to use Atla Vista or however you pronounced it. So back from then, and now I feel like we're, we're on the verge of seeing the same thing happen with space tech. So for me, I'm like, I lived through from an early age, this, this, this boom of this new cyber frontier and cyberspace, we used to call it, you know, old term, but I think it's really suitable now. And as that infrastructure pro- progressed, it meant that it became easier to develop websites. It became easier to have databases, became easier to, to collect data, to have security to, you can literally create a free website with a free web server yourself now on AWS or Google Cloud or Microsoft Azure within about five minutes. That used to be a multi-day job for several engineers back in the day. So I think what we're seeing now is the same thing happen with space, where space is becoming more accessible. With The basic metric that I think that we're seeing at the moment is cost per kilogram from Earth to orbit. Very soon, I think we're going to see some interesting metrics pop up around how we're actually going to use some of the stations in space, whether it's and actually, you know, the International Space Station or Orbital Reef or Axiom Station, whether it's even, you know, there's a whole bunch of companies now popping up saying, hey, we're going to have like what I'll describe as like miniature space stations, little pods that you know, we can send into space where they can experience microgravity or the vacuum of space. You can do something productive with that. And we're going to try to get them to come and land. So it's almost like a hybrid between a space station and a, and a reusable rocket or a reusable launch vehicle. So I think that we're seeing this democratization, and I hate using that word, it's so overused, democratization, but it's really, I haven't come up with a better word than that so far. One of the great things that I think that we saw on the the financial side of the internet uh, and the web and the invention of the smartphone leading to apps and things like this over the last couple of decades was the, the emergence of venture capital, and there's a lot of negative things around that as well, but in general, the, the emergence of venture capital and just even just private seed investors, it's much easier to say, well, look, I've got capacity to invest a few thousand dollars into this company and that company then can go and raise from a few different investors that can help them grow that team. And with that few thousand dollars, they can actually do something incredible. Now for your $25,000 to $50,000, you can build a space company. You can build some hardware on the ground and you can actually get it put into space for that amount of money. We really are on the edge of a Cambrian explosion, I think, of, of incredible space applications or space-derived applications anyway, mm-hmm. just like we saw with the internet leading to the web, leading to the, the first uh, incredible websites and, uh, you know, and, and apps on smartphones and things like this. Cool. So looking forward, what do we have to watch out for the next year? I think we're in a bit of a transition period. I, I think that there's going to be, a, like I said, a Starship, and we've got uh, Rocket Lab that are doing their, like, their new vehicle, and we've got a whole bunch now, like Astra have just been... It's incredible just how fast-paced, you know, I think it was five years ago they started and they started, I think I heard they were developing their vehicle from about three years ago, and now they're, they're you know, publicly listed for one, but they've actually got an orbital service. Yeah, they can launch your gear into orbit. So I think we're going to continue to see that the logistics side of space access increase, which is going to be awesome. But for me, I think my excitement starting now shift to shift towards that, the space stations themselves. One of the one of the exciting bits of news was Orbital Reef and just seeing the progress that Axiom have been making. Like I said, yeah, we're, at Marincha, we're quite close with Axiom. In our monthly-ish newsletter, we advertise their jobs for them and it's, it's just incredible the amount of jobs that they're, that they're hiring each month. is just increasing. I think it's like usually around the 200 market at the moment. It's just great seeing that kind of growth. And I think that we're going to start seeing some more in-space manufacturing. I think that's going to be one of the first things. What are we going to use these, what are we going to use these space stations for? 
What are we going to do up there, whether it's in space for space or in space for Earth or in space for space, that'll lead to a business model that means that we can do something for Earth? I, I have actually got a little bit of inside information on something that all I'll say at the moment, I'm going to tease everybody and say, look, just watch this space because I know there's a little bit of information, some news that's going to come out in the next couple of months or so about something very, very exciting on the in-space manufacturing front. And you probably already... If you've been following me on social media, uh, you'll see that I've been posting more and more about in-space manufacturing because it's, I think, that is where the killer app for space is going to come from. It's not going to be launch and it's not going to be the space stations. It's not going to be our, about our access to space. It's going to be, what does space mean for us here on Earth? Absolutely. So, watch this space. <laughs> so, so <laughs> Sorry to tease. Last question, if you want to take that. Is what, there somebody so, you say, that is my space personality? 2021. There's no one person in particular. The only thing I'd say is, look, it's very easy to focus on the ones that are always in the news at the moment. So obviously, the, the top of you know, is Elon Musk. So no, I'm definitely not, not going to say that. I think he's doing some great stuff. But I think the really exciting thing is going to happen with the people that are thinking five years ahead, 10 years ahead. Okay, if I start a company today, based on the, the progress that's happening, what are the exciting things that are, that, that, are gonna, that, that could lead to? So for me, the personalities that I'm following most closely are the ones that we're working with at Moonshot that we've invested in, that we're going to be investing in, all the way from our stage one programs to our stage four programs. We've got groups like that are developing energy grids for space so that when you're on the moon, where you only get 14 days of, of power before all of a sudden you're in a 14-day lunar night and your equipment's going to freeze over, well, they can provide you with wireless energy so that you can keep your mission warm and keep it going without needing to have a radioactive geothermal you know, ge generator. We've got people that are developing you know, th these incredible abilities to more cheaply and easily and, and accessibly develop the, uh, to build out your technology and to test it and evaluate your products here on Earth before you say, all right, I'm just going to put down this money and say, let's just shoot it into space and see how it goes. Because we know that there's a huge failure rate for that. So Yeah, that to me is incredible. So watching these people like like Kieran Blair from Being Systems and from um, and uh, and Justin Zipkin from Eternal Light over in in Montreal in Canada and all of the other great people that are at Moonshot that are just starting out, these are the people to watch because this is where the next Elon Musk, the next Jeff Bezos, um, this is where they're going to come from. Cool. Thank you very much. No, thank you very much, Dawson. This has been fantastic. Thank you for listening today. If you want to stay on the pulse of space, visit our website, our mothership at spacewatch.global and subscribe to our newsletters. But of course, don't forget to become a Space Watcher. I'm Thorsten Kreening, CEO and publisher of spacewatch.global, your independent perspective of space. <laughs>